Welcome to the Become Who You Are podcast, the production of the John Paul II Renewal Center. I'm Jack Rigert, your host, and yes, you're right. I'm glad that you're with me. I was in Costco pushing a cart that was almost full when my phone rang. It was an old friend, so I answered it, and he wanted to know if I could offer some advice to a young man, a friend from college who was struggling with pornography. The young man was a soldier, an army ranger, who had just completed his third tour of duty in the Middle East at that time, and had been home for less than a month. And he was having trouble relating to his bride of less than two years, especially in their intimacy, and had gone to my friend seeking help. His unit had been through some heavy fighting, had been involved in a number of tough assignments, and between missions, some of the guys, uh, himself included, began to unwind past the time looking at pornography. He didn't realize how much it had affected him until he got home from his from this final tour of duty, and his bride knew something was different about him right away. He was not the same tender, caring husband that she knew and loved. He came clean about his pornography use over a period of time. He reaffirmed his love for her and promised to seek help. I am going to share some of the things I shared with him and uh, this is probably one of the most powerful things I think, certainly in a man's life, but even uh, even I think, you know, it goes across the board, men and women. It's praying with temptation. So important, so beautiful, so powerful. So buckle up and get ready for today's episode. So I was put on speaker. And after some initial small talk, I could sense that this armory ranger needed another mission, a challenge that would bring meaning and purpose back into his life. And I said, Mike, I said, you're a brave warrior who was sent overseas to liberate a number of towns and then keep them safe. You came to know the families that lived there. You did your best to protect them. You came close to losing your life for them on more than one occasion. Then you came home, and now someone needs to protect your beautiful bride from you. I know that you expect more of yourself, so I'm going to be honest with you. St. John Paul II said that while there will be many battles to fight out in the world, the fiercest battle a man will ever fight is right within his own heart. The heart becomes, he said, a battlefield between love and lust. This is the most basic of the basics. you got to win this battle. Because the more lust dominates the heart, the less the heart experiences the nuptial, the spousal meaning of the body. And what does that mean, Mike? That means we're created to be a gift to one another. And this is what you are with your bride, to be a true gift. Uh, and, and, your, and your body expresses this. Your body was created to express love. When you look at your bride and, and, and you look at her as body parts, and I know you don't meant, mean to do this, and you allow you know, that Pandora's box of lust to come open. Now, and don't get this confused with, with a deep, passionate desire for your bride, even a sexual desire for your bride. This is lust, though, that looks at, a, at another person as body parts, someone to use versus this pouring out as this gift. And this is the battle. This is the battle of all of the evil you see all over the world. Lusting not only for sex, but for money, for power, for the wars that you were fighting in. It becomes, as, as your heart becomes less sensitive to the gift of the person, Mike, which expresses that meaning in the mutual relationships between men and women, you know, it, it becomes sad. It becomes sad that we start to use one another. So, Mike, an image is worth a thousand words. So here's your first assignment. Go, go to your uh, local church. Kneel as close as you can to Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. Look up at him hanging there. That's how much he loves your bride, Mike. 
This is my body, he says, given up for you. To look at him and allow him to come into your heart. That is how he loves you, Mike. Jesus didn't come for sin management. And here's the difference between Jesus and all the other people that you could pray to and hope for. He came with real power and real grace. Mike, he's the only one that, that through his passion, death, and then resurrection, he can lift you back up. You'll die with him so you can rise with him. He came to overcome sin and death that's in the world, all through the world. And he did that. He took on flesh. He took on your flesh, in a sense. He took on my flesh. And he united it with his divinity on, in his body. He took on all of the sin and death in the world. And then he rose and he overcame that. And he wants to pour that out to you. This is the difference. He came with real power and real grace. This is a spiritual battle, Mike, that's been going on for a long time. And now it's manifested in your body and in your distorted desires. It's going to take grace and perseverance on your part to overcome this very real battle. The key is to open up your heart with all its sins, distortions, and twisted desires, and let Christ come in to sort through them, and he will help you to direct your and redirect your desires to the stars. This is the key here. This is what I want to talk to you about today. The, the, the biggest problem I have, Mike, when I'm working with guys that have porn addictions, drug addictions, alcohol addictions, gambling addictions, is that we're trying to stuff these desires down by ourselves a lot of times. And even in prayer, you know, help me, I'm going to try not to think about this, try not to think about that. These are the most powerful desires in the world. The problem isn't that you have passion passions and desires. The problem is with our misdirected passions and desires. So here's the key. And here's what I'm going to get into with you. You know, we we live in this two-dimensional world, this kind of horizontal world, and we think all we're going to do is we're going to try to stuff these desires down, right? Don't look at that. Don't think about that. But these images, as you know, are already indelibly in, in, marked into your brain. Uh, it's really a powerful thing that happens. And so to get rid of those images is going to take a long, 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 long time. And now you can stuff them down. You can pretend they don't exist. But the temptation will drive you crazy. And and the power of the evil one is very real. And you're going to do what? You're going to finally get so hungry from starving yourself. You're going to what? You're going to get hungry and you're going to indulge. And the, and the world, you know, the, the principalities and the powers, which is demonic itself, and all of the people that have given into it are just ready there, huh? To, to, to bring pornography to you, to being lust for this and sell you this and bring you this. And uh, and so we indulge, huh? And so you can't break that cycle. You go from trying to stop for a couple of days or a couple of hours, and then you indulge, and you go into the cycle back and forth and back and forth until you get worn out, and you're ready just to give it all in. And then other addictions start. You got to try to numb that. And and so here's here's what we're going to talk about today: is praying with temptation. And remember, temptation is not a sin, Mike. Jesus uh, himself was tempted a number of times by Satan. And so temptation's not a sin. And here's the key. We're going to go to three-dimensional now. We're going to come off that starvation diet and then indulge and then starvation diet and then indulge. And we're going to open these desires now. Just open it. Just open our hearts and point those desires as crooked and distorted. See, we're afraid to do that. We can't aim all of these these broken, twisted, and distorted desires at Jesus Christ. That's why I want you to go to your church and look up at him. 
That's what this distorted desires have done. They put him on a, on a cross, but he took that cross, and now he wants to pour himself out to you. You're, you're, not, you're not going there with anything nobody else has suffered before. He's very, very aware of this, right? All right. Open up your heart again with all its sins, distortions, and twisted desires, and let Christ in the sort through them. And again, he's going to help you. So redirect your desires to the stars, Aim right at his heart to all that's true, that's good, and that's beautiful. And it's going to take some training and time. But as a soldier, you know that nothing great comes without effort. But he's going to transform you, redeem you, forgive you, and give you your heart back. And then you're going to give that to your bride. And you know the coolest thing is? Not only will you overcome these lusts over time, you're going to become a much better husband and a father, but you're going to know the power of Jesus Christ. This is a win, 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 win situation all the way around. It's going to be a win for you. It's going to be a win for your wife. It's going to be a win for your family and a win for the world because you're going to do great things. You know what it means to be a real man, Mike? To love as God loves. But you cannot give what you don't possess. First assignment then is to open up and receive the gift of life and love that Jesus is offering to you, his very real body. Receive the gift, become one with him, and then become a gift by loving your bride in his love, not by yourself. This is all one great sacrament. The sacrament that you see on the cross, this is my body given for you that you receive in the Eucharist every Sunday. Make sure, again, you're going to confession. You're receiving that power. Take it in within yourself, and and don't worry. You're going to sin. You're going to fall. Okay, okay. Over time, it's going to be less and less, and the grace is going to fill you up, and then you're going to pass that to your bride. This is one great sacrament. You know, the Bible begins in in the book of Genesis with the marriage of Adam and Eve. It ends in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, with with the with the marriage of Christ and his church, his bride. And so he wants to pour this into you, and it tells one great story. Be connected to the divine life and love, and then give this away, and then go back, and always receiving it. So it becomes the cycle. Now, instead of a cycle of starvation and indulge, salvation and indulge, um, starvation and indulge, you're going to open those desires. You're going to receive and be filled. You're no longer starving. You're actually filled with divine life and love. Now you're full. Now you don't need anything else to fill you up. And now you can pour this out to your bride. In fact, you have to turn around, to, right? To love God and love your neighbor. That's the commandment that, that God gave us. <clears throat> so again, to love as God loves Receive the gift, become one with him, and then become a gift by loving your bride in his love. Then become, then begin to love the women you're viewed as objects. So when those images come up, Mike, listen to this. This is very, very important. You, when you see them, don't try to stuff them down again. But every time you're tempted by their images, don't try to push them away. Instead, look into their eyes and see into their very hearts and in one movement, offer them up. Say, thank you, Jesus, for the beauty of this woman and, and, and the power that attracted me. But at the same time, I want to lift it up. I want to use that power and give it to you. I want to give it to you for the redemption of the world. And I want to pray with her and for her. I want to pray for that woman. She's a sister of mine. Oh, my gosh, if we only knew that every woman in the world was your sister first before she was somebody's bride. She's somebody's uh, actual sister. She's somebody's actual daughter. She's certainly God's daughter. 
and uh, and so we're all under one heritage of one uh, father and we all every every man has a task to look at a woman and and not to see her as an object and and make sure others don't either and lift her up in prayer guys can you imagine how many times that woman has been hurt again don't try to push those images away offer her up in prayer to see them in all of their true beauty as daughters of God, to see into their hearts as God would see them. Oh my gosh, they've been hurt so bad, huh? Then offer them up in prayer to Jesus hanging on the cross and to our blessed mother who's kneeling beside you just where she was kneeling on Good Friday. She was kneeling there. Kneel with her, Mike. In a very real way, these women, again, are your sisters and the sisters of every man. We are their brothers, all descended from a common hearth, all created in love by the same Father. Allow the grace of Jesus Christ to transform your heart, and over time you will see them for who they really are. Mike, I have another assignment for you. Read the Song of Songs, and I'm going to read the the part that I want you to read, and just read it a few times. This is the Song of Songs, um, chapter 4. This is verse 9, but you can go, and this is an old old poem, so they're going to use some some, uh, old words and some old analogies, but this one you can get. So this is the erotic um, uh, romance between a man and a woman, but the saints and the mystics wrote more about this small book than all the other commentaries put together because it gave them the vocabulary and the essence of of the, the way they felt in their heart for God, the intimacy that God wants with us. Don't forget that this perennial pull from masculinity to femininity is was the always created as the sign of holy communion, which was a reflection again of the holy communion within the uh, inner life of the Trinity itself. So this perennial call from masculinity to to uh, femininity and this magnetic draw between a man and a woman again masculinity femininity there's a mystery here where we just look up and we get we get hit over and over now uh, 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 by their beauty but this magnetic mysterious draw now you can look into that woman's eyes and see into her heart nor's her sister lift her up in prayer and this is what happens here in the song of songs where they're they're romancing each other and then then they then the man says to the, to the woman you have ravished my heart my sister my bride you've ravished my heart with one glance of your eyes how beautiful is your love my sister my bride and so he calls her a sister first. You see the beauty of this going back, uh, you know, hundreds of years before Jesus came up upon the earth, this was written in the Old Testament. How beautiful is this? And so again, you know, these, these, um, these distortions have been going on since Adam and Eve, you know, since sin came into the world, Mike. So don't get beat up. Uh, just start to go on and start to move your heart into God himself. You know, Christ wants you to do the opposite of hiding. Remember Adam and Eve, they put loincloths on. We knew something came in, lust had entered already uh, into the garden right from the very beginning after the first sin. And then they hid. And right away, God went, uh, God the Father went and searched, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And he's asking them to come out, you know, be healed by the great physician. And this is what he's asking you to do. Don't hide. So here's praying with um, temptations. This is a reflection by our spiritual director, Father Ryan Browning. He wrote this, there are temptations that assail me all of the time. I feel like giving up. I'm never going to escape their grip. Have you ever had these thoughts such as these as you try to live out the faith? Does it seem hopeless at times to escape the grip of temptation? 
What I'm about to suggest will help in all matter of temptations, but I will specifically address the temptation of lust. And these are two preliminary considerations. First, temptation is not a sin. Jesus experienced temptations in the desert, and since he is God and all sin is against God, he would never sin. Temptation is not a sin. It's what we do when temptation comes that is either virtuous or sinful. It can be sinful, however, to put yourself in the near occasion of sin. So be prudent about what you look at online, what you watch on television, and form healthy and holy boundaries in all of your relationships. Second, we must recognize that sexual desires are not bad in themselves. God created us as sexual beings in order to stamp into our very bodies the mystery hidden from all eternity in God. The mystery that God is an eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he's destined us to share in that love. The union of a man and a woman in marriage where the two become one is meant to be a sign of the union of God and man. Both are meant to be fruitful. Given the importance of the sign of marriage and sex, it is no surprise that this is where we experience the most temptation and confusion in our fallen world, and this is precisely where the evil one will strike. But do not be afraid. This is John Paul always say, do not be afraid, be not afraid. He knows the power of Jesus Christ, and he wants us to all experience this. Our Lord became one uh, of us and went through his passion, death, and resurrection to offer us the grace of redemption. That grace is for us, body and soul. Praying through temptation will help us experience the redemption of our bodies for which we long. And if you want more on this, read Romans. Uh, this is the, that redemption of the body is Romans 8.23. But, uh, you know, Romans itself is just powerful. In the grip of temptation, turn to prayer. Very intentional prayer. Let's take, for example, you see a person you find attractive and the temptation of lust arises in you. See temptation as a trigger for prayer, an invitation to prayer. When you encounter a temptation, pray like this. Lord, thank you for the beauty of that person, man or a woman, whoever it is. Give me the eyes to see them purely as your son or daughter. Give me and them all the grace we need to know and love you. You may also find it helpful to pray the Hail Mary, since our mother is all pure. At some point, whether in the moment or later in your prayer time, invite the Lord into your desires and ask him to redirect them toward union with him because that's their purpose. When we pray with our temptations, they become a source of grace and transformation. Does that mean we're not going to fall into sin again? Probably not, but don't get discouraged. However, we will fall less and less and less. And God, with our cooperation, will begin to set us free from sin. We may continue to struggle with temptation, but it will become for us a means of grace now and purification. God works all things to the good for those who love him. That's Romans 8.28. Be honest with our Lord. He knows everything anyways. Enter into the battle of the heart. Place your hope and trust in Jesus. Be patient with yourself. Recognize the temptation. Turn it into prayer. Open your heart to the power of redemption that flows from the cross. And through grace, freedom will be yours. Michael and everybody listening, temptation is an invitation to prayer will change everything. God bless you. Great to be with you. Talk to you soon.